the All-Star Game in LA, uh, Chavez Ravine uh, at Dodger Stadium. So a uh, big game there. Also, Homer and Derby on Monday. So we'll be giving you know, our picks for the All-Star Game and who you got. Also, probably some picks for the Homer and Derby, even though it'll be over by the time this thing drops. But you know what? Manana. Nothing is better than being able to look back and just horrendously rip apart a, like, prediction, a wrong prediction. These they're like, guys, oh my God. Experts. Experts. Idiots. Podcasters. They Idiots. don't know what they're talking about. Uh, we can also talk about a game where maybe one of our predictions, maybe both of our predictions to some degree was idiotic uh, in the Hell is Real Derby. The Columbus crew taking it home, but not quite as much of a goal fest as we were expecting. A little bit of weather probably had something to do. Yeah, maybe yeah. a suspension or two. Uh, yeah, perhaps. So, you know, a little bit to talk there. Uh, also in Columbus, big free agent signing, probably the biggest free agent signing in the NHL coming to Columbus, Johnny Goudreau. You're talking about Deuces Wild. Deuces Wild on ice in Columbus. Couldn't cool. believe this. Deuces Wild also. He, he was showing off his drip the other day with that new yeah. jacket jersey looking good. Speaking of showing off some new drip, the wine and gold is actually wearing wine yeah. and gold now. Uh, a little that bit more of a minimalistic uh, approach, but I, I think probably for the best for them after some real duds in the last couple of years. Uh, Cavs unveiled their new jerseys this morning, so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. They're as clean as that little segue you just did there. Uh, I, they're so good. You know what else was so good this week? Cam Smith from Australia winning right. the Open at 20 under overtaking Rory, uh, who had a big lead, had everyone behind him. You know, it felt like the golf world was behind him. But uh, yeah, Cam shrimp. Young, or Cam Smith, just worries about taking down Cam Young, Too many Rory Cams. McElroy, and, uh, you know, putting beers in that claret jug. We're going to be putting beers in our metaphorical claret jug, which just means our bellies, uh, while we have this. Yes. Uh, I was think I, I was thinking you were going to say the thirty rack cup. But yes, our bellies as, as well. Yes, I mean really, this this the thirty rack cup should really be a trophy uh, for both of us for having to deal with Zach as long as we have. That's true. Uh, but we have a very interesting beer uh, from one of our favorite breweries who's been on a couple times from the Cleveland area. A um, little bit of a different one. Yeah. I'm actually really excited to try this, and I I don't know. It's it's I feel like the last number of beers like you know we had the hibiscus ale that we we poured and it had that red color this one we were I mean, we'll get to it we thought we good. thought we might have a back-to-back -back red red beer week yeah. uh i don't think that's ever happened but was it let's find out let's find out let's find out we got a whole lot to talk about but first of course we need a beer do 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 josh i'm not gonna lie i really need a beer right now um for those who aren't in our production meeting, and by that I mean sitting in us, sitting with us in this room, uh, we actually had to record our uh, intro twice due to some technical difficulties. By that we mean the fan was turned on too loud. Yeah, I've I've been off my game. I, it's that's my fault. It's my first day. Uh, I think we're recording earlier in what some call the amateur hour, and I just haven't been able to get over that hump. I, I, once yeah, I, I get mean, my all star break this week when we go on our our thirty rack on the road, then we'll be good. Then we'll be good. Well, you know, it'll get us in the right frame of mind, or maybe a little bit past the right frame of mind. Our beer of the week, which comes from the Brew Kettle, one of our favorites, uh, you know, famously the White Raja. Obviously, the, some of the Christmas ales have had them on a couple times. We are drinking a specialty beer. It was released just before Cinco de Mayo. It is their tequila barrel-aged Primavera Margarita Sour Ale. It is an ale infused with orange and lime. It is a whopping 9.5% ABV. Josh, you, you seem to have taken a step back there. What Thoughts on the beer right away? Uh, blows me away. Uh, it's just got, every, it's got everything in it. And I, at first I was like, oh, I don't really. Yeah, yeah, right? It's, it's, a, long, it's a long lingering uh, feeling because that tequila doesn't hit you up front. And then it really comes in warm, settles the whole thing out. There's a lot of flavor in there, Greg. There's a whole lot going on in this complex beverage. I had a quick sip, and it took me about 20 seconds to like understand what was going on. You take a quick sip, and you're like, oh, okay, it's a beer start. And then all of a sudden, the, the barrel-aged tequila taste just punches you right in the throat. And you're like, what, what just happened here? Um, 
I mean, obviously in the uh, in the barrel age game, you usually get some strong flavors, but normally, you know, I would say the majority. Because even you know, you and I have been to a barrel age beer fest. A lot of the barrel age beers that you get, you know, be bourbon barrels, maybe right. occasionally the rum barrels or whiskey barrels, but very rarely will you get a tequila barrel. And usually, if it is, I mean, I remember we we had a couple tequila barrel ones. They were still only like five or six percent, and they had that like nice tequila undertone. But I think this is the first beer that I've had that really has that like tequila like. I'm going to punch you in the face flavor. Yeah, I'm starting to really like it now that I've had a few sips. To preface this, I am an insane person who loves tequila. And this is this is brand new this year. Um, they haven't done this before. I was just trying to look for like the uh, beer advocate, and it's just barely on untapped. Uh, did this for Cinco de, Mayo, Cinco de Mayo this year. But yeah, you were saying that, uh, that bourbon bash, uh, that bourbon barrel bash that we went to at Jungle Gyms a couple years ago, that was the first time I'd ever seen a tequila barrel, and very few and in between have I seen one. This is excellent, though. I think they uh, they hit it right on the mark. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll have some more info, you know, when we, we read the can later, but it was released, you know, just before Cinco de Mayo on the 4th. So, uh, you know, what, only a couple months. I don't know if this is a regular occurring thing or it might just be one of those one-time releases that uh, we were able to get our hands on, but... I mean, aside of that that heavy flavor, and I mean, I, I I would not say I'm a huge tequila guy. I do like the occasional Marg or something like that. Sure, but uh, man, it's a heavy tequila taste. So if you're not, if you're someone who's yeah. adverse to tequila, because there are, I would say tequila is probably the biggest one where there are people that are just the taste of tequila will just like yeah, some turn them off like completely, right. like almost you know make them sick. Not the beer for you. If you really like tequila, it's great. Also, it finishes very well. I will say it, it hits you, but it also finishes very well. You know, it says the orange and the lime kind of. That's it also I'm has a little with. bit of a, a sweetness to the yeah. end of it, too. It's um, it's a very complex flavor. And I know we sometimes dig into these flavors. People go, oh, well, you know, kind of tastes like beer. And, I, I, you know, I get some of it, but I don't get all of it. You know, I don't maybe I don't get like the smokiness of a, of a stout. This one has like distinct stages to it it's like you know it's but, like uh like a gobstopper or a jawbreaker yeah. where you get like the flavors you know kind of fall fall back but it just has like three distinct stages and it's and i think it's good but man is yeah. it pretty heavy hitting and that's what i said it's like it's it's lingering on you and i think you get that three stages from uh the the process uh, the brewing process because they started out with uh just a sour an imperial sour base ale and they aged that in tequila barrels. I cannot say tequila tonight. Tequila barrels for six months. Then they injected it with the tart and lime and the orange and everything. So you really kind of, I think it takes you through those three steps. And that's why it finishes so well with those sweeter flavors. And I, I think, yeah, you, you know, get that, like, it's almost, balanced a little bit. You almost get that Gosa flavor. Then you get that tequila barrel. Pump. I mean, it's almost like how they added it in, which I... I I don't know if that's usually how flavor palettes work. We're, we're not yeah. experts on that. But, I mean, it t- it's, you get that sour imperial. Then you get that boom tequila. Then you get that, yeah, that orange and lime and that little nectar sweetness on the end. So, Yeah, great, great finish. But definitely, as if Zach were here to uh, rate it on the porch, the porch drinking scale. No, no, no. Uh, if, no, you're no. Try, if you're trying to take a porch nap, the answer is maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is, I mean, this is honestly like, what, 9.5? If I'm a, yeah, 9.5. If you're, I mean, heck, if you're at like a Mexican restaurant and people are like, you know, doing shots of tequila or drinking margs and you're like, nah, I want a nice like beer. Oh, yeah. This would like, be a great alternative. This would be great. Like fajitas with these or something like that. A little bit of that like lime cilantro flavor. Oh, yeah, definitely. But uh, probably a one and done on yeah, these kind of things right. one one maybe two or they're gonna have to you know drag you out well greg uh happy cinco de mayo to you I'm glad well, we uh squeezed this one in here and yeah you know basically it's uh cinco de mayo in july which is a regular you know occurrence so that part i'm sure of uh and i'm also sure that uh you know brew kettle does a great job as they normally do. One always of, one always. of my favorite breweries in the state i will say that unabashedly white raja one of my favorite beers yep do love some of the, I mean, one of my favorite IPA, you know, they did like a Cavs IPA like six years ago at this point, and it's still one of my favorites. So 
you know, brew kettle hits it out of the park every time. And something that uh, I was a little bit worried about trying and honestly a little bit worried after the first sip. Yeah. But, uh, yeah a very good beer overall. So uh, thanks to the brew kettle for their Primavera margarita sour ale. Josh taking the trip down from Cleveland, down 71. You'll hit Columbus. You'll hit Columbus uh, just north of those Hell is Real signs. Uh, obviously, FCC making the short trip up the highway to Lower.com Field for the first Hell is Real Derby of the year. Uh, coming in, Cincinnati just barely in the playoffs. Columbus just barely out of the playoffs. Um, early in the game, yeah. it looked like Cincinnati, you know, Cincinnati's best chance came very early, third minute. Uh, Brandon Vasquez, who's probably an MLS all-star snub. I think, you know, yep. probably if they played, you know, East first West all-stars, cause they have enough teams now to do that. I would say he's definitely A an lock, East all-star, yeah. but, uh, he finds Alvaro Barrial on the far post and it looks like it's a goal. Maybe even in before Broom clears it out, but no, on replay, Broom, Eloy Broom, Columbus goalkeeper, gets his foot in front, keeps him out. Then after a little bit of sustained pressure by the crew in the 16th minute, off a free kick just to the left of the box, um, you know, the main man for creation for Columbus, Lucas Zillarayan, finds someone that kind of runs up forward and runs around the front of the wall and just... Has this beautiful header to the back post. Who is that? Oh, that's Chucho Hernandez for his fourth goal in his first 88 minutes of play. Um, puts the crew in front. So uh, looking at some stats, uh, Chucho Hernandez, the, the big $10 million signing, the record signing for the crew. Uh, wondering how it's going to work out. Uh, so far, uh, he Unbelievable. is the eighth player to score in his first three appearances. But... Uh, the first two, first one he came in, and I think it was the somewhere in the 70s or 60s, I think it was, and then scored in the 78th minute. Second time came on on halftime and scored two goals. So he scored four goals in his first 88 minutes of play. So he is the first player in MLS history to score four goals within his first 90 minutes of play time. Just unbelievable. And that header was just class. I mean, that was so clean. And that's. And it, it the the running he, he got it into a weird spot ran in front of the wall almost and then just flicked it to the back corner and it's it's one of those things where it's like you know nothing the nothing the goalkeeper can do nothing no. nothing really can happen there so Columbus gets out in front uh, they are really playing the possession game you know about sixty percent possession in the first half uh, Cincinnati has a few chances but obviously you know missing some players uh, obviously most notably. Uh, Lucho Acosta, who is, I believe, what this was his second game second of the game three. of his three game suspension, which was a one game suspension and then extended for two games for an alleged uh, touching of the referee. Yeah. So in the New York City game, uh, the last week that we were talking about, uh, Acosta was red carded in, I think, like the 91st minute or whatever. Yeah. Um, and right. then, and usually a red card will. Uh, I mean, obviously, you'll be taken off for that game, but then it also, you'll be suspended for the next game in that competition. But because he made contact with a ref... Allegedly. Allegedly, uh, it turned into three games. So he missed uh, the midweek game versus Vancouver. He misses the, uh, obviously, this game, and he'll miss the next game as well. All-star as well. Yeah, MVP candidate, yeah. Lucio Acosta. And, and the only thing I'll say about that is that I think, you know... Based off of the original foul in that game, that was a huge, huge flop uh, with no contact, if you see it from the baseline. You took away, I think, crew fans and FC Cincinnati fans both wanted to see Chucho and Lucho and wanted to see, you know, both of these teams at their best because deep down, let's be honest, like this was the first game Cincinnati had been shut out in months. So it was like, like we talked about last week. This was going to be this star-studded, significant matchup for the back first time. Back and forth. Yeah, back and forth. Yeah. You actually thought you were going to see a match. And uh, I, I was still on a plane, so I didn't start watching the game till about eight minutes in, from my understanding. Cincinnati actually looked good in the first five minutes or so. 
Um, yeah, they well, it, and it, then kind of fell apart. Columbus got a couple chances, then Cincinnati got a couple chances, but then after that goal, about 15 minutes in, it seemed like it was pretty much all Columbus until maybe the last five or so minutes of the half. And I and I'll say like, I don't know, I I saw some reactions on Twitter today from FC Cincinnati fans that I was somewhat disappointed in. Uh, Na- namely one just to bring up briefly that was I was just like what are we UCF fans in here like ask it saying that like they owe us a thank you for helping them with save the like let's let's not get butt hurt or anything like this is one game we've, we've got plenty of chances still you know let's not get into any toxicity over this rivalry and everything sure we had were robbed of the matchup we all wanted to see but in my opinion from watching you know, the game from the eighth minute on Columbus just had probably their best game of the season. You look back to the midweek game. We talked about both of the clubs kind of had a disappointing, you know, FC Cincinnati looked good and played for the draw, but Columbus probably should have came, come yeah, away. With they the were, I mean, game. they were missing. They had a, they had one of their center backs on, on suspension, didn't have their best center backs, but still but just a there, couple what, of uh, 90th minute. At, well, they had a 91st minute goal and then they gave up a 90 plus fifth minute, um, uh, corner goal that was kind of questionable because there was kind of some tangling and then the DC guy kind of jumped and then took the Columbus defender down with yeah. him and then it was kind of like a wide open goal for former crew Ola Kamara but, but, but you to finish at... up the game sorry just so oh yeah yeah finish, finish up the, the match uh, 86 minute Columbus or Cincinnati had a few chances Columbus just couldn't put anything away uh, earlier handball shout in about the 75th minute, but then in the 86th minute, top of the box, uh, Lucas Zolryan puts a shot on goal. Um, you know, extended hand, hand above his head. Not more of an accident, but it's one of those that is just like if your hand's there and it hits your hand, it's going to yep. be a penalty every time. So uh, yellow card and then a penalty for the crew. Uh, Zolryan steps up. Actually, his only his second penalty attempt as a member of the crew. Uh, but steps right up, does a little stutter step, puts it in the right corner, and then basically after that, finishes 2 nothing. Both teams, though, still, I mean, actually, based on some other results, both teams in the playoffs right now, so... Yeah, and that's why I think, you know, you know, going back, going back to where they are, like, kind of in the season, you look at this past, last Wednesday and everything, I think for the crew, they kind of... And, and I don't know, maybe maybe you can tell me how you feel about this theory. I feel like giving up those late goals in a game that, you know, they definitely could have won, that was kind of their their tipping point for them where they had the rivalry game up, they had that result, and that fired them up. And they looked fired up, and they, they outperformed FC Cincinnati in every way, shape, and form. I thought they had their, you know, best performance because you got to see these two playmakers that they have, and you got to see so many of that so so much of that creativity in their attacking third that I don't think you've gotten a full grasp, you know, a full look at um, from the start of a game yet this year. And I think, you know, this game will propel Columbus forward where FC Cincinnati to me, man, just looked deflated. And I remember this sh- sequence in the broadcast on FS1 after the first goal where commentators kind of went silent for a while and they were showing a lot of shots of uh, the Nordecki and everything, a lot of close-up shots of Columbus and everything. And then they showed this shot of Pat Noonan with the Nordecki in the background. And it was just the Nordecki, and then it like racked focus to Pat Noonan, and you could see on his lips, guys, let's go. Let's go, guys. And it just seemed like, you know, everyone out on the FC Cincinnati side just was deflated after that first goal and I think that is what is frustrating FC Cincinnati fans is you saw the old regime in the rivalry game yeah and I I mean I think the one thing that I thought was interested interesting is right after the goal they said you know since I guess uh, Cincinnati started playing in MLS in 2019 they have one game I think what like out of I don't know tens of games they have like four or five draws and one win from coming from behind. And it's just like, if they fall behind, it's kind of a death sentence. Uh, Columbus, though they blew uh, two one-goal leads uh, midweek, is one of the best in the league 
at uh, you know holding leads, and still, it just seemed still like just drew those games. I think they've only got one loss. Yeah, in I, that scenario. I think, uh, but you know, they looked confident on the ball. They looked like they were moving the ball well, and I think the one thing that you know, as far as completeness to the game is. You've kind of seen, you know, Zellerian was hurt, and you kind of seen him up and down. But it, they were saying, you know, coming into the game, I think he hadn't scored a goal in like three months or something. But having Hernandez in, you know, Chucho, uh, really allowed him to kind of get some life back. And you saw, uh, I think Miguel Barry uh, just got traded to DC United, so they're kind of moving on in their striker position. And I think they were really str- they were struggled. They looked a lot like FC Cincinnati did in this game during a lot of the season where, and I mean, FC Cincinnati obviously was a little bit flat all around, but just where there looked to be someone in the middle that was missing to kind of, you know, tie everything together. And I think now that, you know, Columbus has that with uh, Hernandez and you just look, you kind of have these two almost artists out on the field and Hernandez and, uh, uh, Zello Ryan, and you can just see like sometimes, you know, they just find each other or they find someone in this crazy angle. And you, there were a few times where it was like, if that ball is just like an inch further back yeah. or a guy makes better contact, like well, just these pos- could be a lot of goals. In just the possession in the attacking third is the one thing I noticed the most is that they were, it was so easy for them to keep possession in that, in their attacking third because there were so many instances where either of those guys, Zellerion or Chujo, had two to three guys on them, and they somehow found a way to pivot and get it to one another and keep it, keep the attack going and everything. And I think that is what ultimately makes Columbus dangerous moving forward is they have, they have two guys in their attacking third that can basically, you know, cheat code with each other out of these, these webs of defenders. Even, I mean, you look at F, like, like it was a bad defensive been a bad defensive week for FC Cincinnati but for a while there they were looking they were looking much much improved defensively and they they didn't like you know fall apart I mean the one goal was was a handball and the first goal was just like a nice header like it wasn't you didn't feel like Eloy Room was also playing out of his mind yeah and well but I mean as far as a defensive I mean I think the one thing that I think Noonan said at at halftime for FC Cincinnati is we're falling back like way too early and, you know, we're falling back too much. And I felt like that was more of the issue. I didn't feel like their defending was... I mean, they had a couple of bad passes, but at least as far as in the box, you know, there were a few times where both teams got some good blocks in. And I don't. I didn't feel like it was one of those games, you know, where they really gave up like a goal and a half. It wasn't one of those games where, you know, in, in past regimes, that would be a four or five yeah, definitely, to none definitely. or, you know, four or five to one game. So looking back, I mean, looking forward after this game, uh, Columbus, I believe, has, since they're a game back, like they played one last game, Columbus has six games. Cincinnati has five games until uh, the game at the end of August, the the return match for the Hell is Real Derby uh, at the end of uh, August at TQL Stadium in Cincinnati. Josh, based on, I mean, obviously you've only seen, you know, some of the crew. I've only seen, you know, so much of FC Cincinnati. Um, Do you think, I guess, even a month from now, do you see these as two playoff teams when they meet up again, even just a month, you know, six games from now, in a very tightly contested Eastern Conference? And and exactly to your point a very tightly contested eastern conference and i think that's ultimately why we will see both of these teams still vying for a playoff spot columbus sitting at 29 points cincinnati sitting at 27 points charlotte in the eighth position first spot out of the playoffs at 26 points inter miami at 25 points and those are two teams that cincinnati has coming up on the schedule they also have columbus has new england next who's you know right at 24 yeah, points right. i mean you have four teams out of the playoffs that are within, you know, a game. And some of them have played one less game than Cincinnati. So they're, you know, they're one win away from being tied there. And then you look at, I mean, Columbus, who's two points ahead they're you know, within three or four points of being a top three seed, unless you're Philly or New York city, right. You know, there's 10 points between third and 12th. And that's why, this beer is fantastic. I, I have to say, just to give another shout out to the brew kettle and their Primavera Margarita Sour Ale. 
Uh, that's the one thing I'm concerned about. Uh, I'd love to hear your take on this as a crew fan, because I think both teams crew have improved a little bit and had some guys healthy after a really rough start to the season. But as you saw in this uh, rivalry match, what can happen if you don't have that right backup? I think Alvaro Barrial deserves his chance in the 10 spot instead of Brenner, uh, like in this past match. But when you don't have Lucho and you see that hole there, or in the Cruz position, if you you know have you have, don't have injuries Chucho. again, if you don't have Chucho, if you have the injuries again, you know Cincinnati just traded traded for uh, uh, Sergio Santos hurt uh, in the, his like first 15 minutes of his debut on Wednesday night. So when you have this parity of the Eastern Conference that you have, where it's you know two to three points between teams top to bottom then, you know, you kind of worry when every single game is a is a need to win because the team is only two to three points, you know, bottom top or bottom away from you. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's just so close everywhere. I think both these teams, when they're when they're playing their best, are probably playoff teams. Because, I mean, right. I've seen the way, you know, FC Cincinnati scores, but also, you know, the way they can concede goals at some point. And, like, I mean, even watching, you know, you saw it with FC Cincinnati in that game, you know, in the game on Saturday where they didn't have Acosta in the front and they, you know, they had trouble scoring. You saw Columbus, you know, play one of, if not the worst team in MLS, you know, one of the bottom three or four teams who just got a new manager uh, in DC United. They gave up two goals in the last, yeah. you know, 12 minutes of the game or something like that. Because who is that their, new manager? Uh, it's a foolish guy. Uh, He's got to get, get some experience under him. Uh, one Wayne Rooney, <laughs> who you may know from uh, Derby County fame, or Everton, or I guess Manchester United, or Tiger Woods PGA Tour 08, yeah. which he was also a character. He's been around. He's been around a little bit. Um, so he, I, I think both teams... And I think you would agree, both teams, if they're playing, you know, if, if they're fully healthy and they're, you know, they're not complacent, I think both of them are playoff teams. I mean, both of them will probably have interesting decision days or best case, like, you know, the week before, it's like, all right, you have a calm decision yeah. day, yeah. but the last four <laughs> games have been, you know, uh, nerve wracking. But, you know, a couple injuries here and there, and you could definitely see both those teams, you know, finishing 10th. And I, I mean... It happened to Columbus last year. They had a couple injuries, and, you know, they kind of fell off and just didn't quite have the time to come back. So yeah. I think, you know, especially in some of Cincinnati's back line and then, you know, obviously a guy like Acosta. And, you know, if, if Columbus has any injuries, especially in the middle of their defense, or with Zella Ryan or, or Chucho, it could be a very long last couple months of the season. Oh, yeah. And what... Uh, I mean, looking at what yeah, most teams about, have played 21 or 20 games. There's so only about a dozen to, games left, give or take. Yeah, so, so you're playing in the mid-30s for games, so you're about 60% of the way through. So crunch time is coming up quick, especially after that next Hell is Real Derby. Speaking of dog days, Greg, we're getting into the dog days of baseball. Obviously, you know... Switch, switching gears here off of the so off the soccer, but going going into you know it's All Star Week for Major League Baseball. Obviously, the Home Run Derby about to get underway as we're recording All Star Game uh, tonight. If you're listening bright and early, fresh Tuesday morning. But in about less than a month here, Greg, we're talking. Uh, we were just talking Columbus Cincinnati, two uh, one of our favorite rivalries. You and I also rivals on the baseball diamond, Reds, and your Cubs. Playing in the Field of Dreams, August 11th, out in Iowa. What's going to be left of our two, our two rosters by the time we get to that point? So uh, if many of you, uh, you know, don't remember the beginning of the Red season, they started off 3-22. and 22. They are now 34-57 uh, and 57 through, uh, what is that, 91 games, I think. Uh, the Cubs, much better off. Uh 35 and 57. So they got to play on Sunday and they, they happen to get a win to stop like a nine game losing streak. So they are a half game above um, the Reds. Both teams uh, floundering this year. Uh, both teams, I believe, either the two worst teams or two of the three worst teams in their AAA divisions as well. 
Yes. Um, you know, some young teams with some tough pitching, some tough hitting, uh, a number of guys known on the trade block uh, for the Cubs. Uh, the big one is all-star Wilson Contreras, who is like one of probably the three pieces left from that uh, from that World Series winning team. It's like him, Jason Hayward, who's hitting like 190 on that bloated contract, and then Kyle Hendricks, who is getting older and his 88 is turning into 86, and he's yep. struggling a little bit. So... What? Yeah. By August, you'll probably see him gone. He'll be a free agent. So you maybe still have the one all-star in uh, Ian Happ left, but you know you're 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 probably playing Jan Gomes at at catcher, you know Frank Schwindel at, at first. I mean, it's just it's kind of a mess out there. Uh, the pitching staff's even worse. And uh, you know, last year it was so much fun when you saw the Yankees and the White Sox. You know, the White Sox were game. kind of Ugh. they were still kind of fighting. You know, they were in a weird spot. Yankees obviously were were in the playoff hunt. It was such a good game, and you just wonder so good. whether it's going to turn into another good game, or it's going to turn into one either a comedy of errors on both sides, <laughs> or two, like several of the Reds and the Cubs games where one team has an okay pitcher that only gives up like six runs, and the other team has like god awful pitching and gives up like seventeen runs. Well, where it's right. going to be like a seventeen to six yeah. game. Well, that's what you were talking about, you know, Cubs trades and everything. You could look at, I mean, there could be some significant Reds pitchers traded here. I just had the pleasure, actually, of watching Luis Castillo's audition in Yankee Stadium where he shut down one of, I would argue, probably the best offense in the American League, at least. I mean, those are some, as it's been put before, savages in the box. And I mean, what, he was... uh... I think at least he had a no-hitter through the first, yeah. like, five innings or something. I mean, I, I didn't get to see at least much of his pitching. I was listening to a, a little a couple innings of it on the radio, and it seemed like even with kind of a weird strike zone, he was still yeah. mowing those guys down. So uh, but, but could be interesting. What I think he has, he'll have one more year after this year on his contract. Uh, Tyler Malley, a little bit older, I believe, also has one more year on his contract. So two... I think the two biggest pieces that you really heard the Reds move on from, because most of their other pieces they've either traded, are really young, or are old guys on bloated contracts, right. like Mike Moustakis or Joey Votto. Right. I don't... Yeah, Moustakis, I, I think, is here to stay, even though, again, injury issues have once again arisen. Joey Votto, uh, a little bit of the same, although he's come back uh, recently. Uh, but I think when you talk about you know, trades and everything you could, de- I think, I think you'd see Luis Castillo gone. Um, just, just based off how things are going with other teams. We've had some significant injuries. I don't know. Oh, Chris sale, man, that was nasty. That was disgusting. And I mean that, what was it? He had, I mean, he had the Tommy John surgery. He came back. He like broke a rib or something where he was out for, I mean, he missed most of the, I think he, he pitched, he's pitched five and two thirds game or innings this year. Cause he, he finally yeah. came back. He made it like 20 pitches in pitched, uh, five innings. What was it? I uh, like early last week, like probably last Monday or something. And then pitched Saturday, got through two thirds of an inning, about 20 pitches and just took, I think it was 115 miles yeah. an hour or something, uh, from Heron Hicks, just a liner right Line. at his pinky. And that's one of the things you worry about, you know, especially, like where the Cubs are with Contreras. I mean, Contreras has been the best catcher in the league, you know, so far this year. Yeah. But, you know, you wonder sometimes when you get out and stuff, especially with pitchers, they get injured, their uh, value falls. And speaking of all-star games, you know, you saw that a little bit with the Reds when they hosted the all-star game. They kept some guys a little too long to kind of, you know, sell tickets. And then when it came time to trade them, uh, you know, Frazier had fallen off. uh, Bruce had fallen off. Uh, Rollis Chapman had had guess, some. Uh, I guess that's what I mean. Shenanigans is that is that I I want to see I want to see him traded. Trade and, him at their best value. Yeah, and you also worry, you look at so a, much so much Cincinnati local media is wor- worried about exactly what you just said. Is that because you've seen it when they had the All Star game, and now that you're in the Field of Dreams game, you want the exposure, and you want to hold on to the sentimental players and your showcase players and everything. Because let's be honest. After Castillo's gone, I mean, you got Vado, I guess. You got Tyler Stevenson. But but after we'll that, have, you don't really have 
a whole lot of showcase. We'll have some more discussion about what they have outside of Castillo when we talk about the All-Star game. And there's a fun little trivia question I have for y'all. Oh, yeah, I forgot you got trivia for me here. A little All-Star game trivia. But uh, but yeah, I just don't I don't want that to happen. And you have to at, at a certain point, you have got to you got to move on from it. I'll try and find it here, and we can if we get back to this in a little bit. But I I saw it today on Twitter, a ranking of where the Reds farm system has been year by year, and um, maybe if we have time later, we'll get into some draft stuff with the MLB today. Maybe uh, we got a lot to get to, but. Red's farm system has moved up from that into the top 10, but you go back and look at the past 15 years and it is all over the place, either in the bottom five to the top 10. And at a certain point, you've got to get some consistency in this organization. You cannot keep doing this. Maybe we'll buy in. Okay. We get almost all the way there. Maybe you get to the wild card game and then you kind of fly. You You can't trade some prospects to get all the way to, you know, to get Trevor Bauer for a year. And then you kind of, you know, back off. And I'm and sure, then... and I'm sure you share that sentiment with the Cubs and everything, which is why I think it's curious. You know, like I'm very, I'm, it's just going to be interesting to see the rhetoric around this field of dreams game. As fun as it will be, I personally hope that it is a game where two, we both have some not so great pitchers start, and it's just a slugfest. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, the the Cubs are in a, a weird area because you know, I mean. They had that World Series, so obviously, you know, the higher highs. And then it was kind of lowering expectations over the next couple of years. And then last year, of course, was was tough trading, you know, the three of the corner, three, I would say, of the four, at least, offensive cornerstones in, in Riz by, uh, Rizzo Baez and Chris Bryant. Uh, two of the three have, have kind of struggled this year, so it, it seemed to have worked out. But then... You know, you kind of, uh, it, it's very different, you know, especially talking to you and Zach, because it's like, there is some limited resources in the other areas, but it's right. like the Cubs should be a top spending team and seeing them in the middle and just seeing kind of this yeah. like, we're going to give 25 mil a year to Marcus Stroman, but then not actually go for it. And it's just, it's weird and it's kind of disappointing. And it just seems like, it seems like it's going to be a very long rebuild, which I think will piss off the people in Chicago to no end. So I can tell you it pisses off the people in Cincinnati. Yeah. But, uh, I, am let's, uh, let's do this, uh, all-star trivia and then we'll, uh, let's, we'll get back to our beer from, uh, the, the Primavera Margarita Sour Ale, which is quite, uh, quite fantastic. We'll get to the can here in a second. Well, let's get to, uh, let's get to the all-star game overall. So, uh, first off, uh, we got the all-star game Tuesday night. 8 p.m. in Los Angeles. Uh, we've got a who you got coming up. Uh, real quick, though, for a quick who you got, uh, Monday's home run derby. Uh, Jose Ramirez, the five seed, faces Juan Soto in round one, plus 155 to win round one, plus 1,800 to win, only ahead of Albert Pujols. Who are you taking in the home run derby? Jose Ramirez. Uh, it blows my mind that he has that that bad of odds. Uh because, I mean, I just feel like you talk about, well, first off, you always take the Ohio guy to, in the home run in, derby. to win the home run derby. That's That's been proven once before. Shout out the Todd father. But, I mean, you talk about momentum. I think his biggest threat is honestly Pete Alonzo. Yep. I just think now that he's won two and, and you know, has, has a routine about it and everything, I think he's, like, got a good shot to you know, get it a third time. But you talk about Ramirez, man, and the momentum he's carried. He's been the heartbeat. I, I don't know. I don't know. Heartbeat. Heartbeat. He's been the heartbeat of that uh, Guardians yeah, team. Yeah. He's I the, mean, I want to say something stronger than that because he's just has such an energy about him. He's so fun to watch. And I just blows my mind. Eight plus 1800. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think, I think he's going to have fun with it. I mean, I think Alonso is obviously probably the pick just because, but with the, I mean, as far as odds go, you got to take Ramirez because he just Come swings on, yeah. so hard. Uh, Pujols, I think, uh, hits like two home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to the game, uh, on the AL side, uh, three Guardians. Uh, second baseman Andres Jimenez, his first uh, appearance, and he will actually start due to an injury from Jose That's Altuve. Right, yeah. uh, third baseman, as we mentioned, Jose Ramirez. And then closing pitcher, uh, Emmanuel Classe, who gets in. has had a fantastic season for the Guardians. Um you know, big ups to him. 
Uh, on the red side, uh, probably a snub in Brandon Drury. I'd say so. Especially uh, when you look at some of these replacements have been pretty funny. But uh, one red in the All-Star game in Luis Castillo. And now, I, I mean, I've had, I've had my jokes at the experience of the Reds. So I was looking it up because I expected it. I expected it to almost be the other way around. But um, do you know the last All-Star game that only had one red on the NL team? Because I thought it was going to be like, I don't know, three of the last five years, only one no, red. No, I just saw this. It was, yeah, it was a while ago. I want to say early 70s. No. Not that. It's much more recent. Than oh, that. much more recent than yeah. that. It's been a while, but it's much more recent than the 70s. It was 2009 in St. Louis. Oh, really? Was that re- really? Yep. Do you know who the only, uh, per Wikipedia, so very, very okay. high level sources. Do you know who the one player was? He was a pitcher. Um, I... Relief pitcher. Oh, relief pitcher. Ooh. Okay, I don't know then, yeah. Coco Cordero. Coco was still around in 2009? Coco Cordero. That was, that was, that was my one like gut. I was like, no, nah, he wasn't still around in 2009. Wow. On the other end, the Indians who you, you know, were Guardians, you know, Indians at that point, who you expected to, you know, they've been pretty decent for a while. 2015 was the last time they had one All-Star. Only Jason Kipnis, uh, you know, Don the C in uh, Cincinnati. They, I think they also had, uh, I think, just Michael Brantley back in 2012. So they've had a couple years, actually, since Cincinnati. So uh, Man, yeah, I would have thought both of, both of the teams have been, like, solid, like, two all-star teams, I feel like, for a while. But, I mean, this yeah, year... Yeah, I mean, you look <laughs> at, like, uh, what, last year, um, Cincinnati had two starters in, in Winker and Castellanos. Yeah. They've mostly been a two to three, you know, maybe two position players and, like, a pitcher... Uh, what was it? One of the last times, I think, no, 2011. I think it was just Justin Masterson, who I know Zach would have loved that name, was one of the only <laughs> All-Stars for the Indians. So, uh, I mean, interesting trivia. You would, I don't think you would have expected that because, you know, the Reds have been up and down, especially the last couple of years. And obviously, you know, 2020, they were decent, so it wasn't like... Well, I actually it was because pretty of good the, history in the All-Star yeah. game, I feel like. But, wow, yeah, that's co- Coco, man. Well, uh, we'll get to our uh, who you got on the All Star Game. Some spicy way, some spicy lines, some spicy. Yeah, we'll, we'll try and get some yeah, some prop bets out there, some some spiciness, some hot action for you. Uh, you got to get that one off the podcast though. Go to our social media on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook. Pigeon. Uh, pigeon? What the heck is pigeon? You just, we just rate it on a little pigeon and we'll send it to you. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, pigeon owl. Uh, yeah, any of that stuff. Sailboat. Sailboat, squirrel, tag, whatever. At 30 Rack of Sports, get our who you got. It'll be out tomorrow for the MLB All-Star Game. Greg, vamos. The Primavera Margarita Sour Ale. We started with a bright and tangy imperial sour base ale, then aged in tequila barrels for at least six months. Then we injected it with a sweet, tart, lime, and tropical orange. The finished nectar is smooth sour ale that reminds the palate of the brightness of spring. Josh, going for number two on the Primavera Sour Ale. Nine and a half percent. It is, uh, it's a delight. But once again, it, it, you can definitely feel it. But man, is it, it's one of those beers that I feel like gets better the more you drink, the more you drink it. It definitely does. Maybe because the, uh, the tequila punch doesn't hit quite as hard. But, uh, once you kind of get that taste for it, it, it really, really goes nicely. Look. Jimmy Buffett said a lot about these type of things, but I'm going to tell you this, Greg. The brew kettle has been one of the fine establishments of the greater Cleveland area for some time now, and we should have not expected anything less from them. I am just blown away by the beer, for one, and how complex and packed with all sorts of different happenings, if you will, in it. But this can... Is something else. I mean, they usually, you know, they have some decent uh, 
some decent can designs, but nothing really like that. Like I, I wouldn't, I saw it and I was, uh, you know, gifted it. Shout out to, uh, shout out to the old, shout out to Dr. Miller. Doctor uh, for, for the beer. And when he handed it, I was like, Oh man, I hope this is a, a Ohio beer that we can use. And I turned it, and I was like, wait, this is a brew kettle beer. Yeah. You know, like they if have, you look they at the fr- cans and everything, but this is on a whole, this is one of the crazier can designs I've seen lately. This is, yeah. And it, it, it doesn't, beautiful. it doesn't fit with their normal can design and everything. So you just kind of look at it and you're like, Oh, that's brew kettle. It's like, it's not flavors that you expect from brew kettle. Morley, you know, Morley an IPA, I would say kind of brewery, but something different. Yeah. And something a lot brighter. I mean, the can has a ton of coloring on it, has a several-toned hummingbird on it, has a tree with something on it, some leaves, and I don't know if those are bottles, those are like agave plants, I have no idea. And just this wonderful, like, nice kind of evening setting kind of in a in a grass field and it is uh it is a joy to drink and a joy to uh enjoy the can as well the player that finished fourth in the mvp race uh johnny goudreau you think calgary flame for a while led them to uh, I believe it was the the conference semifinals. Where does he pick in free agency? He picks the Columbus Blue Jackets. That's right. Johnny Goudreau, 7 years, uh 68 million, uh 9 almost 10 million dollars per season uh in total. Uh the left winger just puts the puts the Jackets into a playoff contender right away. I mean, a, a, oh, oh, a yeah. top five yeah. player in the league. Um, but he does so much more than that. And I think, you know, people are looking, uh, gives him a chance to, you know, probably re-sign line A. And, uh, you know, maybe most importantly, may change the perception of Columbus. Because he said, you know, he was a guy that was from Calgary, there were some reports, you know, Calgary offered him more money yeah. and he didn't want to come. Uh, you know, there were some reports that he wanted to go near home on the East Coast. You know, I think he's he's from roughly the Philadelphia area. So Philly was circled, maybe the New York teams. No, he ends up with Columbus. He said he had Columbus circled. He likes the young core. He likes the way the organization's going. And it's a breath of fresh air because when you look at, really you know, is, man. you've even looked at, I mean, Calgary's, you know, kind of... Uh, chat on uh columbus and, and picking it but you know in the past so many years you have uh artemi panarin who was a big uh trade piece for the jackets to help them get to the second round you know he left bobrovsky left seth jones wanted out a bunch of guys you know it had seemed like in some inner circles and you know maybe some of that was previous coaching regimes or you know just the city in itself but had gotten kind of a bad rap and it seems like if you get a guy like this to commit seven years, you get a few good players. You know, you're a huge contender, and I think you're someone with, you know, the ability to turn Columbus into a a free agent destination where people want to come and play with Johnny Goudreau and play with some of these, you know, Patrick Laine, uh, Zach Wierenski. I mean, uh, Elvis Merzlikens has shown, you know, some flashes of being an amazing goaltender. And, I mean... If that gets going, being at Nationwide Arena in Columbus is going to be a good time. And I know I've been there. You know, I was there when they won their first ever playoff series against uh, Tampa Bay. You know, they swept the the President's Cup uh, winning team. And it was electric in there. And I think if you oh, can yeah. get there, you know, Columbus, obviously a great city in the middle of America. You get that team rolling. You get that city rolling. And I think, I think Columbus is – this is a move – that can change the opinion of the city of Columbus. Absolutely. I mean, it's not a LeBron James move, but it's a fairly close. I mean, this guy was top five in the MVP. You know, how many times have, you know, someone who was top five in the MVP race, you know, the next year signed with the Reds or the Guardians or the Cavs or, you know, the Bengals or the Browns? Like, pretty much never. So having a guy like that is just, you know, an unbelievable add to a team that 
you know, was frisky for a young team and could really help them take the next step of many steps forward. Because once again, he's yeah. here for seven years to turning this team into a bona fide contender. It just the seven years thing. I mean, the whole thing blows my mind. Seven years blows my mind on on a whole nother level. And I think what you said about, you know, you look at, you know, your Cleveland teams, your Cincinnati teams, and just the way the Blue Jackets have always been viewed in the league. Th- this is unprecedented for, for a free agent to come here because he likes the organization so much. It speaks to the Blue Jackets organization a ton, how much they have managed their cap, how much they have built the roster with young talent, how much they've, we talked about it a bunch last season, how spunky and feisty they are. And to add a player of this caliber changes the whole landscape, I feel like, of hockey. Because you're talking about, you had the, you had the Flyers and I think the, uh, uh, the Islanders who thought, you know, they're getting this guy for sure. Calgary, like you said, offered him more money. Calgary's devastated, man. Do you see that press conference with their GM? I mean, he oh, just he's looks devast- like, he's, he looks pale, man. The, he looks the he's Calgary, shell-shocked. The Calgary, I mean, it would be like, it would be like if, I mean, I, I don't want to be rude, but like if a <laughs> yeah, big you know. player from one, you know, almost like when Carson Palmer left, except if Carson Palmer was maybe as good as Joe Burrow was, and like how much vitriol was kind of coming his way. Like, it's like that way, except Goudreau just left as a free agent. You know, it right, was, it's, right. almost, it's almost, it's probably somewhere in between if like Burrow left to like when LeBron left. I was just about to bring up an, a LeBron metaphor. It's like it's like if LeBron, when he was making the decision, and everyone had all these all these teams on their radar and everything, and I don't know, Sacramento. Well, it, or I, something. I was, like I was gonna that, say, you know, yeah, like, it would be like, yeah, it, it's almost like when uh, with Kevin Durant, where they were like Knicks all the time, and then they're like, no, we're going uh, to the Nets, right? You know yeah, what I mean? It would be like exactly. if they were like, hey. Yeah, it'd be like if LeBron's like, hey, I'm going to Washington or something like that. You know, a, a good city, but like not really anything known for, for that sport. So, I mean, to give you, a, I mean, once again, an idea, because I think some people in Ohio are like, yeah, this guy's, I mean, a big hockey guy, but like, I don't know. Skating leaders, so points, which is goals and assists, tied for second in the league behind Connor McDavid, who's won several MVPs. Goals... Uh, at top 10 plus minus, which is, you know, goals when you're on the ice versus goals when you're not on the ice. He led the league. So like Colorado, their top line was behind Goudreau's line. And obviously, you know, they have Matthew Kachuk and a few other good guys, but you put him with line a and some of these other guys, he could be a top plus minus guy in the league for Columbus, Absolutely. which is the difference between a three, two game and a four, three game very quickly scoring more on power plays doing i mean literally everything this guy can do for you is huge so and i think and i think they've shown good faith in the patrick line didn't didn't 75 assists for the guy yeah that's what i'm saying 75 it's almost like it's almost like for columbus fans you know if you're if you're a diehard columbus fan you're looking at you know what you have with the crew right now in two just gifted world-class playmakers up front. Now you're looking at the possibility where you have Patrick Laine and Gordeaux on the same line and everything. And I think the Blue Jackets have shown good faith and they want to get a deal done with Laine. Laine didn't uh, declare for arbitration before the deadline. You know, I, there's room there. I don't know if they'll play on the same line or not. We'll see where all that the works out. The answer's probably, Pro- yeah. But I yeah, mean, you I think, put you'd, your be best guys a, I think you'd be a fool not to. I mean, you just look at you look at what that attack can be now. With as spunky as they were last year, if you can get some defensive pieces in there and have a healthy season, boy, howdy, man. And they, they signed a couple <laughs> guys. I mean, their two top 15 draft picks were both defensemen. One guy from Moose Jaw. Shout out Moose Jaw, Alberta. I mean, there's there's a lot to look forward to. Um, in Columbus and really in Ohio with, I would say, pretty much all the teams that don't play baseball, young and exciting. Yeah. I mean, if you can get, if you can get Zach some help on the back and can get a deal done with line A, I think that, I mean, 
that alone, that momentum, like you were speaking about the atmosphere in that place when they made the playoffs, you know, just watching that on TV, you could feel that come through. Columbus is going to be a path that you have to go through. Thank you for listening to another edition here of 30 Racket Sports. Thank you for hanging out with the dynamic duo for another edition. Josh and I here on 30 Racket Sports. We're going to end the show as we always do with our shout outs. First off, want to give the shout out to, uh, I might call a heavyweight champion over here. Maybe not a Muhammad Ali, but at least like a George Foreman, like a big puncher that, you know, Gave us a good time. The Primavera Tequila Barrel-Aged Margarita Sour Ale. Um, just a, An excellent a, beer. An excellent beer, but man. So much to it. Man feeling it. You feel it even after one. So uh, shout out to, I mean, Brew Kettle, an unbelievable brewery with, a, with an unbelievable beer. If you're a tequila guy, if you like tequila and beer, 100%. Definitely got to no try, try this. Uh, if you can't stand tequila, maybe not for you. If you like sour beers, though, and you can put up with tequila, still a very good beer. Once Even, again, probably one or two, but like, I, I'm not a huge tequila guy. I like sours. I still think very good beer. You're a tequila guy who I think likes sours enough, and you're a huge fan. So Yeah, I really like it. Even if you're a brew kettle fan up in the, the greater Cleveland area, give, give, give it a, just give it a try. Give it a try. It's, it's great. Also, also want to give a shout out to uh, All Star Dad Zach. Uh, could not be here. Uh, just as a reminder, uh, Thirty Rack will be on the road next week. Uh, prop, we'll, we'll try to get some content out there. Yeah, we'll look look for our social media. I I don't think we'll put an episode out, but I I can guarantee at least at least a couple social media like a couple clips, hot hot takes, couple a couple hot takes, probably a couple clips. Probably a couple beers. We're going to the land of craft beer. So we are. We'll so, be we'll yeah. be uh, enjoying probably a few. Uh, so shout out to Zach. Shout out to Brew Kettle. Uh, shout out to the listeners, of course. And Thank Greg, you for when listening. We, when we do come back, I mean, we're going to be folks. We're going to be we're gonna in be gearing the thick up for of football. It. In the thick of it. Our football. next show, what we'll be recording? It'll be August. Will it be August? I mean, it'll Already? be end of July or, or no, you know, it'll a be week August. from August. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's when we come back, It will be our next show we will record will be August 1st. We will be full football within two weeks of preseason football. We will be within. That's wild. We will be within a month of college football and just, I think, exactly. Or, oh, no, because they play in the third, like 32 days away from the Bearcats in Arkansas. That is crazy. Ohio State welcoming the Fighting Irish. And I mean, just a week after that, we have Bengals start their AFC title defense against the Steelers. The, Steelers. So awesome, Greg. Why is the Browns so good? The Browns will be starting a quarterback, I'm sure of it, against probably Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. Oh, yeah, there's that too. Can we have it now? Can we do it now? I want it now. <laughs> Let's do it now. You know what the problem with doing it now is? You don't get all that wonderful 30-rack content getting you ready for a full season of college football, pro football, heck, even CFL. We'll talk some Grey Cup if you want us to. We're all about it. We'll talk some Oktoberfest beers as well. Oh, can't wait. Oh, man, we get into September. We start getting some Oktoberfest beers. Ah. We're all about it here on 30-rack sports. I mean, we just want to cheers that we're getting to some good stuff after – Especially on the Cincinnati side. Uh, especially for us, too. Some, uh, it's been some, a rough summer. Some tough... Uh, I mean, I think disappointing would be, would be the least of the words we would pick for the baseball yeah. season so far. But on to happier things, hopefully. Oh, yeah. In our shout-outs, Josh, who are you shouting out on this fine Monday night? Normally, I don't shout out an Alabama man, but I'm going to shout out to Trey Molinax who won the Barbasol Championship, not in Ohio, but just a short drive down to Lexington, Kentucky. At uh, That was a Keen Trace golf course. I went down there. Beautiful course. A little bit rowdy of a crowd for a golf tournament, as you might expect. 
but Trey Molinax won that and got uh, qualified for the last spot in the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Got to jump on a commercial flight from yeah. Lex- straight from Lexington to uh, Edinburgh. I'm sure there's direct flights. Yeah, so think about that. Think about, like, and and think about the fact that uh, round three was delayed. They had to play round most of, I think, Molinax, actually, with his tee times, had to play round three and round four, both on Sunday, then catch a flight over to St. Andrews, and get prepared for everything. And yeah, probably, probably had to. F- I mean, Molinax isn't exactly your uh, Tiger Woods, so probably had to catch a flight from. It was Lexington. a second major. It was oh. only a second major. Yeah, so probably Lexington to New York, New York to Heathrow, Heathrow up to Edinburgh, and I know they were losing a bunch of luggage. Yeah, from, uh, I mean, who knows? So, so somehow was able to get there and compete, but man, not just compete, wildly. Greg. Guy finished minus nine, tied for uh, tied for ninth uh, best aggregate score of the British Open. I mean, you talk about you know having to, you know, I mean, and he was fending off uh, Kevin Streelman down at the Barbasol Championship. Has to play round three and four in one day, get on a flight and get all that you know stuff situated. Maybe get maybe get like a day and a half of practice in, depending on how all that travel stuff worked out. And yeah, shoots the at number minus one, nine. The, the number one player in the world, Scotty Scheffler, also at minus nine. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick, who won the last major, also at minus nine. The guy who just lost out to him, uh, Will Zalatoris, minus eight. So to That's tell you saying, where, where everything is around there, I mean, John Rahm, a couple behind him. So a ton of guys looking up Justin Thomas, who won a major. I think he's also looking up. At Molinax. I think he's only played in a U.S. Open or PGA Championship before. This was his only second major, first British Open to play up there with all those guys in that kind of environment at the and, 150th Open at St. Andrews. And, I just think it's so, like, in that in that like week time span, all that he, he accomplished is so cool. A lot of those guys play in, there's, a, uh, there's usually an Open, because the actual British Open moves between Scotland and, and England every year but there's usually a Scottish Open the week before. And a lot of players don't actually right. play in the PGA Tour event. They play in the Scottish Open to get them ready for the Lynx golf. So he probably missed out on some practice rounds because he didn't know he was coming. Uh, did not play in the Scottish Open because he was at the Barbasol and Championship. And I can tell you right now. And still finished the, minus nine. After being at the Barbasol Championship and walking a at, at least all of the back nine and uh, portions of the front nine, not the same course at all so to go from that course to quickly traveling to running up there with all those guys in the 150th especially a watch especially a wet course to that dry like sandy st andrews just unbelievable greg who who, who, who you raising a glass to um i'm raising a glass uh to i would say first off nostalgia really in general uh, the one thing I do like about uh, the TBT, the basketball tournament, um, is you get to see some of your former favorite players. Uh, I was thinking about going, but I put the 30 rack um, listeners first, and I'm here to record a show, unlike uh, you know some people, uh, Zach. But uh, the Xavier Regional of uh, the basketball tournament, which is a tournament that uh, you enter teams. Normally, you get a lot of like former college basketball players, some guys that kind of you know are in the pros, some of them that are still like G leaguers or, or international players that that come and play. And there's a you know couple million dollar prize that they split up. Well, there was a regional at at the Cintas Center at Xavier University. Xavier also had a team zip them up. But the Nasty Natty team, uh, unfortunately, lost out to the Fort Wayne champs. They have a weird way of finishing. Instead of just time, uh, in the fourth quarter, they pick a score that's so much, so many more points than the uh, than the winning team has, and you have to get to that score. So it's not like a run out the clock. You actually have to get there. Uh, they fell seventy-one to sixty-seven to the Fort Wayne champs. But just awesome to see some of those guys. You know, oh, yeah. see uh, so cool. Trey Scott, Troy Copain. Uh, Jaron Cumberland, Octavius Ellis, Shaquille Thomas. I mean, Kevin Johnson was played. I know uh, over the weekend they played a couple exhibition games against the Xavier teams. Um, 
And then last week, actually, they came to West Miller's UC basketball practice, and they actually kind of scrimmaged against the the current UC Bearcats. So just, I mean, one of those things that gives you the chance to watch some of your favorite players from yesteryear, have a cool charity event over the weekend, and then have an experience that these guys will remember. You know, when you're trying to recruit in these NIL day, like days, yeah. like something oh, yeah. cool like that where it's like, yeah, we got to play against, like, you know, I don't know if Cincinnati legends, but, like, Cincinnati, like, top players of yesteryear. Like, Jaron Cumberland, amazing player. Troy oh, Copain, yeah. amazing player. So it's awesome to see them, you know, be able to kind of play the new generation and, and give you some uh, great memories, you know, threefold at this point. Yeah, I thought that, that weekend thing that they did and kind of, you know, instead of doing their individual kind of summer camps, they Xavier and Cincinnati kind of came together, did like a whole week of a co- collaboration camp, ending with this weekend's games uh, where I believe you know, Bearcats won the first one. And I think there was a, a buzzer beater, if you will, in the, in the second one yep. for Xavier. And just so cool to see, you know, the city come together over the Crosstown shootout in the summer and do so much, I think, for what I, you brought up, the NIL thing is it's going to do ten, tenfold on these programs instead of when they would just do their individual camps. I hope it becomes a traditional thing, even when we aren't doing the TBT games. I hope this is a, a mainstay on I the honestly hope sports it's, calendar. It's one of those things that they bring back teams. Because I know, oh, yeah. uh, you know oh. UC had, I think, a team four or five years ago that was uh, uh, you know coached by Mel Levitt. But I think you know it's a team. You can get some of these guys back, maybe get some younger guys. I know... They had uh, one of their players was Isaiah Miller, who's a UNC Greensboro guy who played under Wes Miller. So having that group of guys, you know, if you could keep that up, I mean, it's just something else great for the city, great for charity, and just, you know, great for everyone at the end of the day. So shout out to uh, the Nasty Natty, uh, unfortunately coming up short, but hopefully yeah. we'll be back next year for some, uh, for some fun times. We will be back in two weeks to give you... A whole lot more sports takes. Get you ready. Football. Training camp will start. Fall camp will start for the Bearcats. We'll get you all prepped up for everything football here in two weeks. Uh, be sure to check out in the next couple weeks our social media at 30 Racket Sports. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Pigeon, Whale, that old guy that you see on the side of the street. All of them at 30 Racket Sports. Also, want to give a shout out. Primavera, the brew kettle, this wonderful margarita sour ale. So good. And our listeners, as always. For Josh on the ones and twos. For Zach, the all star father. I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening to 30 Rack of Sports. Peace. Peace.